0: Instead of heading into church buildings this morning, all over the the world, people are gathering in their living rooms with their family and with their loved ones, eagerly waiting and excited to celebrate the message of hope. Today, many people who are far from Jesus will be drawn to who Jesus is and what His love means for them, what His love means for their lives. Today will be a life-changing day. It will be an eternity-changing day for many, many people across the globe. I mean, millions of people all over the world are gathering and, and celebrating online to celebrate a risen Savior. Listen, regardless of the current troubles, the current situations that we face, we have incredible hope because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because Jesus is alive. If you're watching online this morning, and you're not a Christian, if if you're not too sure, um, you know that you're not too sure about this Jesus stuff or you know this faith uh, stuff. You know you couldn't have picked a better day to be a part of a church service. I know many of you watching are undecided about Jesus or about faith. You've wrestled with questions. You've wrestled with doubts that you personally have. Maybe you've even tried, you know, the church thing, and maybe you didn't have the best experience, but I want you to know that you are welcome here. You belong here. We are so glad. I'm so thankful that you tuned in, that you're watching online, and I am trusting and believing that God is going to speak to you this morning, that your time watching is going to be well worth it this morning. Thank you for taking the time to be with us online this morning. You know, in these unprecedented days that we're living in, all of us have seen things that we've never seen before. We've experienced things that we've never been through. We've experienced days in our homes, um, long days, some of us. (laughs) I'm sure some of us have tasted the the feeling of restlessness and maybe even going a little bit stir-crazy. I think all of us are very excited we're anticipating that day when we're able to connect again, when we're able to hug our friends again, when we're able to go to concerts and restaurants and coffee shops and actually attend a live in-person church service again. I think we're all excited for that day. We're all anticipating that day. You know, throughout this time, families have been connecting in new and creative ways, um, a lot of families have been making music together. A lot of families have been uh, building projects and putting together puzzles. And a lot of families have been watching lots and lots of movies together. A lot of families are gardening. You know, everyone has learned how to use Zoom, right? I mean, this, this is just an unprecedented time that we're living in. Two weeks ago, I, I thought it would be fun for my family to start a quote board, um, just listening to my boys and, and my wife, and just what what are things that have been said in our home that are funny and something that we would just want to write on a quote board. And, and so we did that about two weeks ago. About two days ago, I threw it out on Facebook, and I wanted to hear from you. I wanted to hear what, what was being said in your home, maybe some funny comments, some statements that were funny and quotes that were memorable. And so what I want to do right now is I want to give you the top 10 list of funny quotes during this quarantine. I want you to know I voted on this uh, myself, but here is the top 10 list of uh, memorable quotes throughout this quarantine. Many of these quotes are from children. Uh, These are great. You're going to enjoy this. Number 10, uh, the most, uh, number 10 memorable quotes throughout this quarantine. Um, You know, I think we've all said this in our homes, but number 10 is, what day is it again? Number nine, has anyone tried giving 2020 a Snickers? Number eight, a young boy was walking around town with his dad, and every time he saw someone with a mask, he would say, They have coronavirus. (laughs) Number seven, memorable quotes in our homes. This This is a good one. Don't ride your bike with no hands. This is not a time to break a bone, all right? Number six, a little girl said to her mom, you know the good thing about hunting in the forest? It's really easy to go pee-pee, except if you don't have a toilet. It isn't, all right? All right, number six. Uh, Number five, memorable quotes in our homes. Uh, Someone posted this on Facebook and said, many quotes have come to mind but I have decided that none of them are permissible in print, text, or especially in sermons. <laughs> oh my goodness. I like that one. I think that one could have been uh, maybe one or two. Number four, memorable quote Honey, I just kicked one of our kids out of school. <laughs> uh, number three, I think uh, whoever said this, they've uh, been quarantined for too long. Number three, Memorable quote, that's the oldest book in the trick. <laughs> number two, a quote in the form of a question. I think, once again, this has been said probably in all of our homes. What movie are we watching tonight? <laughs> and then, number one, the most memorable quarantine quote, a mom said to her child, Don't lick me. And the child responded, I didn't mean to. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that. I hope you did too. All right. One day, the greatest theologian in the entire world, the Apostle Paul, he made it crystal clear why the resurrection of Jesus is so important. Paul was speaking to a group of people who were not really bought into the idea that Jesus was alive. They actually devalued the resurrection of Jesus. Some didn't even believe That Jesus was alive and Paul very bluntly explained why a risen Savior is so important to us why this matters so much I'm going to read the words from the Apostle Paul and you can follow along on the screen but Paul said and if Christ has not been risen then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that cannot be true. There is no resurrection of the dead. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty in your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Once again, Paul is hes talking to a group of people who like the idea, they like the benefits that come with, with faith, but they haven't fully accepted the reality or the fact that Jesus is alive. First of all, Paul says, if Jesus is not alive, if he hasn't been risen, then every church service that we've ever had, every Church service that we've had in the history of mankind, it was held in vain. Every worship song, every sermon, it's all been meaningless if Christ has not been raised. It's all been for naught, it's all been an, an entire waste of time. Secondly, Paul says if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our entire Christian faith is a fabrication, it falls to the floor like a house of cards. Paul says, thirdly, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, uh, we've been spreading outright lies to our family and friends. I mean, every time we share faith with them, every time we share Christ with them, we're not telling them the truth. We're lying to them if Christ has not been raised. Paul says, we're false witnesses. We're like snake oil salespeople if Christ has not been risen. Fourth, Paul says, If Christ has not been raised to life, we're still in our sin. We haven't been forgiven. We're still under the condemnation of sin if Jesus is not alive. We may think that our pile of wrongdoings has been forgiven. We may try to convince ourselves that we've been washed and we've been cleansed and we've been forgiven. But if Christ has not been risen, every sin we've ever committed in thought, word, or deed... All of our sins are still counted against us, and we're going to have to pay for those sins ourselves someday when we stand before a holy God. Number five, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, all of your loved ones who have died before you, all of your loved ones who you thought had gone to a better place in the next reality, well, they haven't. Who knows where they are? Who knows what shape they're in. But if Christ has not been raised, nobody is in a place called heaven. Not your loved ones, and you're not going to be going there either. Nobody will. By the way, Paul was, was writing these words in a time where Christ followers, Jesus followers were being viciously persecuted by the Roman Empire. Number six, Paul says, We all know someone who's paying a huge price because of their faith in Jesus Christ, because they're saying that Jesus is alive. We all know people who have been beaten or imprisoned for their faith. We all know people who have been sawn in half or fed to the lions in the Roman Colosseum. Paul says, if Christ did not rise, if He is still in a grave outside Jerusalem, if this whole thing has been a hoax, if we've all bought into a lie, Paul says, we're fools. We're idiots. We're a bunch of crazy people. You see, Paul wanted the churches in Corinth, and he wants all of us to realize that the entire Christian faith hinges not only on the birth of Christ, not only on the incredible atoning death of Christ, but the whole Christian faith in actuality The whole Christian faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, it's a really big deal. It really matters. Our whole faith hangs on it. No other religious leader in the history of the world has ever been able to conquer the grave. Our faith is a special kind of faith. And the central figure of our faith has conquered the grave. Paul would argue that all other religious leaders are still lying dead in their graves. Paul would argue that, uh, you know, above their tombs would be a sign that says, Occupied. The resurrection of Jesus Christ sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world, always has and always will. You know, throughout my life, I've seen or I've visited a lot of memorials, a lot of grave sites. I've seen graves of just common, everyday people. I've seen graves of people that had a lot of influence in their life. I've seen graves of people that accomplished great things in their lives. But you know the fascinating thing to me, no matter how much influence they had in their life, they still wind up in a six-foot box, six feet under. On each tombstone that I visited, you know, there's a birth date, and then there's a dash, and we all know that the dash represents a person's life. It represents the time that they lived, the influence that they had. And then after the dash, there's a date of their death, and that's it. Now, just outside the city limits of Jerusalem at the garden tomb where Jesus was supposedly buried for three days that he was dead. When you go to that tomb, to this day, it's empty. No one's there. Now, because I'm a pastor, I've I've done a lot of funerals. And I've watched caskets go into the ground, and I've watched uh, the dirt, you know, go over the casket. And I'm fairly certain when I walk away from those uh, graves that that person is staying there. I've never had an exception. But the tomb of Jesus is empty. He's alive. You know, if there was an engraved sign on the tomb of Jesus, it would have to read, you know, his birth date. And, and then it would um, have a, a dash representing his life uh, 33 years of an absolutely extraordinary life. And then there would be a date of his death because they crucified him and Jesus died. And then just below that, three days later, there would be a date of his resurrection when he came back to life. And then after that date, there would be a line that goes on forever representing the fact that Jesus is never going to die Again, When we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you know, after Paul finishes all the terrible implications if Christ had not been raised from the dead, he continues by saying this in verse 20. He says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. In the same chapter, Paul gives kind of like rapid fire. Very quickly, he gives six proofs that Jesus is alive. And I'm going to go through these very quickly. But first of all, Paul says, after Jesus had risen from the dead, says that he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most whom whom are still alive, though some have died. Paul says, most of these people are still alive, and they saw the risen Christ after he was dead. They saw him with their own eyes. It's as if Paul was saying to them, hey, if you're doubting what I'm saying, you, you, you should go and interview these 250 people yourself. I mean, I dare you. Go, go ask them. They're all going to say the same thing. They're going to say that they saw Jesus alive. Go ask them yourselves. Then it goes on to say in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. And then Paul says with incredible reverence and awe, he says, man, if you can believe this, he appeared to me also. Paul saw Jesus with his own eyes. I saw him, Paul said. I saw him. I know he's alive. Paul says, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I will proclaim it until the day I die. And according to history, Paul did proclaim boldly the resurrection of Christ to the point that they killed him. He was a martyr because he kept telling people that Jesus is alive. Incredible. You know, with our remaining time together, I, I want to flip the six negative implications that Paul gave, those, those six negative things that he shared. If Jesus was not alive and I was not, is not alive, and I want to flip them on their head. Remember, Paul said, if, if Jesus is dead, then our gatherings, our church services, our worship songs, our, you know, our, our time together as followers of Jesus Christ, it's, it's just a big waste of time. But if Jesus is alive, there was a promise given in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, and this promise goes like this. It says, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. This is a a miraculous concept in the Christian faith. Anytime a group gathers in the name of Jesus, any church service that's held at any location, any culture, any language, anywhere in the world, Jesus said, I'm going to join that gathering with my supernatural presence. I'm going to come near to the people in that gathering and I'm going to meet the needs of the people in that gathering. Whenever a church gathers, even if it's online, Jesus will be available to everyone gathered to meet the needs of those people. It's amazing. Christianity is the only faith in the entire world that promises this kind of thing. When we gather together, the risen Savior, the risen Christ, will make himself available to everyone that's in the gathering. It's amazing. Listen, I I am so confident in this promise. I'm going to ask you to test God in this promise. I'm going to ask you for the next 30 days, I want to challenge you, okay? This is just between you and God, but I want to challenge you for the next 30 days to test God in this promise. Some of you, I know you have needs. Some of you are experiencing a sense of desperation that you've never felt before. Some of you, you have needs that need to be met. You need God to visit you. I'm gonna challenge you to be a part of a church service online four Sundays in a row. Okay, 30 days, four Sundays in a row. It doesn't have to be this church. It could be any church that preaches the word of God, but I'm gonna challenge you to be a part of a church service four Sundays in a row. Whatever church you watch, I'm going to encourage you to be open to the risen Christ. I'm going to encourage you to allow Jesus to speak to you, to minister to you, to make himself known to you, to meet your needs. And then you watch. You watch and see what happens. I believe if you make this commitment... When you gather together, God will make his presence known to you. There are going to be some miraculous things that happen because of this commitment. Four Sundays in a row, 30 days, make a commitment to gather online with God's people and watch what God does. Secondly, because Christ is raised, we we have an extraordinary faith. I want you to know this. I want you to know that our faith is rock solid our our faith is historically defensible our faith has not only withstood 2000 years of a time trial but it's also grown from a few dozen believers in the first century to 2.2 billion believers today the largest religion in the world thirdly if jesus is alive every time you share your faith every time you share your faith with your family or your friends or your loved ones. Every time you share your faith with people winsomely and graciously, you are offering them an opportunity of a lifetime. I want you to catch this. Write this down. This is so important. The greatest gift you can give another human being is an introduction to the God who loves them. Let me say that one more time. The greatest gift you could give another human being is an introduction to the God who loves them. And listen, if they receive this gift, it it transforms them internally. It it increases their capacity to love. If they accept this gift, it it gives them a guidance system for their life through the Holy Spirit. It gives them a, a purpose for their every day. And it gives them a promise for eternity. Listen, this is the most radically transforming message in the entire world that Jesus is alive. It's the greatest gift that you could ever give. Number four, because Jesus is alive, anyone who humbly asks Jesus to forgive their wrongdoings can have all of their wrongdoings, all of their sin, all of their brokenness, can have it canceled out, can have it forgiven. Listen to Psalms 103 and verse 12. David wrote this. He said, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And then Micah says this in chapter 7, verse 19. He says, You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Listen, because Jesus is alive, we can live every day with the rock-solid assurance that our sins have been forgiven. incredible number five because Jesus is alive we know that we know what's going to happen when we die because Jesus is alive we don't have to fear death we don't have to walk around worried about death or um, what's going to happen to us we know what's going to happen because Jesus is alive maybe you maybe you've wondered maybe you've thought like what's going to happen to me five seconds after I die you know, the scriptures tell us that through faith in Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will be applied to us. You will rise again because Jesus rose again. I mean, how cool is that? Your loved ones that have died before you, they're not in, in the abyss, you know? They're not extinct. It's not like their candles just went out and they don't exist anymore. The same power that raised Christ from the dead raised your loved ones as well. All who put their faith in Jesus Christ are in the presence of God. I mean, the fact that Jesus is alive, it changes everything. Because Christ is alive, you don't have to fear death. You don't have to be worried all the time. You don't have to be anxious. We can be a confident people because Jesus is alive. The same power that raised Christ will raise you if you trust in Him. I mean, isn't that a fantastic truth? And then lastly, number six. Because Christ is alive, and we should consider ourselves to be extremely blessed. We should consider ourselves to be so blessed because we are a part of the one true religion. (laughs) Religion. We are a part of the one incredible faith called Christianity. It's true. Man, the faith that we have is incredible. It's inclusive. It's coherent. It's it's a beautiful faith. It's a faith that says the God that created you has an irrational and unconditional love for you. It says that God sent His Son on a rescue mission to atone, to pay for your pile of wrongdoings, even though you don't deserve it. I know I certainly don't. And then he makes this gift of redemption available as a free gift. And he makes it available to any, to all who are willing to humble themselves and put their faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, this is an extraordinary faith that we're a part of. The most extraordinary thing of all is that the hand of the risen Savior is extended to you today for relationship. It's incredible. Listen, for the majority of my life, I've been trying to convince anyone that will listen that Christianity at its essence is way more than a creed. It's it's way more than a bunch of rituals. It's It's way more than a bunch of hoops that you have to jump through. It's way more than that. Christianity, in its essence, is a two-way relationship with a loving Savior named Jesus Christ. It's incredible. It's real. It's true. And He wants to have a friendship, a relationship with you today. This morning, I'm going to ask, by a movement of the Holy Spirit of God. If God comes to wherever you are in your living room, maybe you're watching this in the garage, maybe you're outside working in the garden, wherever you are, if God comes to you and He says to you, today is the day. Today is the day of your salvation. Listen, I'm not going to try to persuade you or convince you. I mean, that's God's job. But the very second that the Lord speaks to you, I'm going to ask you to say yes I want you to say, yes, I fall short of you, God. Yes, I believe that you died for my sins, Jesus. Yes, I believe that you're alive. I want to follow you with my life. I am yours, Jesus. All of me. I want you to agree with the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to ask you to do a very courageous thing. After you've given your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to click the message tab on the Grace Church Facebook page, and I want you to let us know of your decision so that we can celebrate with you, so that we can encourage you on your faith. Listen, I want you to know that we're all rooting for you to make this decision. We're praying for you to make this decision. Others of you, you've already taken this step of faith. You've already made this decision, but I think a lot of you have forgotten that Jesus has taken away your shame I think you've forgotten that Jesus has forgiven your wrongdoings. He's forgiven your past. I think a lot of you, you, you're stuck. You're stuck in your shame. You're stuck in your past. You, You know that Jesus has forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. I want you to know that you have been forgiven, truly, completely forgiven. I want to encourage you to to claim the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you to walk in it. Walk in that freedom. Live in it. You don't have to live in the past. Come out of your past. Move forward into an incredible future that Christ has for you. You've been forgiven. Accept it. Be confident in it. I know many others of you that are watching. Man, your life has been transformed. You've tasted the goodness of God you're experiencing that freedom, you're walking in that freedom, and that is great. That's fantastic. But I want to ask you this morning, I want to encourage you to pray. I want you to pray for your brother, pray for your sister. I want you to pray for your coworker, pray for your best friend, for your dad, for your mom, for your son, for your daughter. Pray for people that they would make this decision to follow Jesus Christ because I believe many people are going to mark this day as the most powerful day in their life. So with that said, I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus. I encourage you to click the message button on our Facebook page. Let us know of your decision so that we can pray for you. We can encourage you. And I, and I just implore you, I encourage you to take a step towards Jesus. Take a step of faith this morning. And God bless you. Thank you again for joining us this morning. We're praying that this is the most memorable and the most powerful Easter that you've ever experienced. I want to say blessings to you and your family. Let's sing and worship together.